Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. Dr. Tamara Berg is a 1995 graduate of the University of Oklahoma College of Dentistry. She has held many leadership roles in organized dentistry, including active in the American Dental Association with, on the Council of Membership, past president of the Oklahoma Dental Association, past president of the American Association of Women Dentists, and active in the OK Mom, which is the Oklahoma Mission of Mercy. She has served as a chair of the event in 2011 in Oklahoma City. Dr. Berg maintains a general practice in Yukon, Oklahoma, where she resides with her husband, Lowell, and two sons. Please help me welcome Dr. Tamara Berg. So let's start with your story. A little bit about how you got into dentistry and what made you choose dentistry as a profession. And then I want to talk a little bit about your leadership roles and how you transitioned into some of those and what impact it was, you know, who might have had impact on you to, to enter organized dentistry, because I know that's critically important to you in your career. So um, when I was about 13 was when I first looked at dentistry. I had had a friend, very good elementary school friend whose dad was an oral surgeon. And so I kind of, you know, saw that side of it. And then I had a coach whose husband was a orthodontist. And so I saw that and I kind of, oh, this looks interesting to me. And then I actually went through orthodontics myself and saw what a change it was. And I was like, you know, I'm going to talk to my dentist. So was, I was just going in for regular cleanings. I just mentioned to my dentist that I might be interested in it. And so we just started that conversation. I'd always known I liked science and math. And so I was going to go that direction anyway. But then that's when I nailed down. It wasn't until I got to undergrad that I had professors ask me why I wasn't going medicine. And I was like, ooh, I hadn't even thought about medicine. I had always just been on a dentistry path. And at that time, I shadowed a few dentists in the area just because I thought, ooh, maybe, maybe I am missing this. Maybe it should be medicine. And I just fell more in love with it after that. I shadowed a female dentist, and one of the female dentists I shadowed had had her children in the practice, and I, I just knew, okay, that's what I want to do. So that it, I just stayed the dentistry path from about 13 on and planned on going back to Texas to go to dental school. I grew up in Texas, but I came to Oklahoma to go to undergrad. I went to our, our church religious it was actually a regional type school. And so that's where I went to, to undergrad. But then I met a boy and got married. And so then I stayed and applied here at OU and was accepted to OU. And so that's where you've been ever since. I've been here ever since. Yeah. 25 years ago was my, is my dental school class. So, wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what's the single best piece of advice you've ever received in your life? Probably just be yourself. I think probably the one thing, whether that's at home or whether that's in the office or even um, when you go to dental means, just be yourself. Don't try to be somebody different. Don't try to act like somebody that you're not. It'll stick out that you're, you're being fake. And so just be yourself. That's probably the biggest thing. 
I know so many of us, you know, the authentic side of us comes out and people like that side much more. And you engage with your patients so much more when you show that side, especially some vulnerability. You know, people who try to hide that they are vulnerable or, you know, even slightly afraid of something, you know, that fear is in all of us. You know, we exposing it sometimes makes it go away. So, and especially when you have people around you, I, I find the dental community to be one of the most collaborative and engaging communities I've ever seen. I don't think that medicine is like this. I don't think any other profession is very much like this. We just come together. And I think that just through the last couple of weeks through COVID-19, that that's purely evident as far as I'm concerned. Have you seen, I know you've shared the Oklahoma mom event, and I'm sure you see that all, all the time when you're doing your events. Well, and even, even through this covid you know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me that I used to be, you know, maybe mentor when they were students mm -hmm. practicing in other parts of the state or even in other parts of the country. And they've reached out and, you know, wanted to know what I'm doing, you know, what, what's going on. And so, you know, if I didn't have those relationships and that networking and still let them call me or text me or whatever, I mean, it's been a hard thing to get through for everybody, but it's nice to call somebody that you already know, and you know that they're going to be honest with you and say, this is what I'm doing. It may not be the right answer either. You know, most of the time when I first got those calls, I just said, you know, this is new. This is unprecedented. I haven't been through anything like this. No one has. And so, you know, we're learning as we go, but this is what I want to do for my staff. And this is what we're going to do. Right. Did you close right away? I closed on March 26th when our governor mandated it. Mm -hmm. We were worked that spring break week, I guess, when some offices decided to close spring break week. We worked that week and then we closed in the middle of the following week. Right. Yeah, it certainly has been a journey. Is there anybody in the field who really inspires you and allows you to do more of what you're doing because they inspire you? You know, I have a lot of local mentors and, and even some national mentors, but I kind of got my feel for women's dental organization, the AWD, through Mary Martin. She was a professor when I was in dental school, and she was one of their presidents. And so she's a very close, dear friend. And so she kind of helped me in that direction and, and continues today. And then I have some other colleagues, Dr. Krista Jones, who was very active in our state. And she's been like our Speaker of the House, and she's a past president of Oklahoma. And so she's somebody I'm really close to, and they've always encouraged me to stay involved in leadership and be that female voice in leadership. That's and outstanding. Mentors too. I mean, you know, I have the males and it was really a, a, probably a male dentist that first told me when I got out and was new dentist, he said, start coming, you know, we need to see you to be able to realize that, you know, if you just come once and don't come again, nobody will learn your name. So come back again, bring a friend if you want to, but keep coming back and then they'll learn your name. What a nice piece of advice to give. That's very supportive. That's excellent. Who has helped you most to get where you are today? What, have you had leaders in other roles reach their hand back and pull you forward with them? Yeah, I would say probably both those two people I named, Dr. Martin and Dr. Jones, you know, they wouldn't let me give up. They also helped, you know, along the way 
in a lot of committees, you know, they might've been the chair of a committee and they got me on the committee so that I would see what the committee was like and that sort of thing. So both as a friend, but also as a, somebody who was trying to groom me, you know, maybe for, for more leadership positions. I remember that was the first time we met was when you were uh, president of AAWD. And it was such an honor to meet you because, you know, here you are leading a national organization. It's not easy to do. It's a very busy year. I, I'm sure it was full of experiences and adventures. Some may not have been as good as others, but, you know, sh sure enough, you just stay the path. And it was really an exciting time for me to meet you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. So where do you think private practice is going at this point? Do you have any idea or any thoughts on private practice versus group practices? I know that, you know, Massachusetts is a little bit different than Oklahoma, but where, where is it going in Oklahoma? Is it, are you seeing a lot of group practices come in? You know, it's been really interesting because what we're seeing is that we have some of the younger graduates are buying up multiple practices and hiring associates to work at those different practices. That's really new to us. That's kind of been interesting to watch that happening. I'm not really completely sure what their, you know, long-term is, you know, if they're gonna rotate through some of those offices or if they're just gonna have associates at some of the offices and they have the main name. It's really fresh and new. And so everybody's just kind of waiting to watch and see. I'm far enough away from Oklahoma City. I'm about 20 miles, 15, 20 miles, that we're really a smaller town. And most of what's in our town are private practices or two dentist practices, that sort of thing. We have a couple chains out here, the corporate practices that have started, but it's mostly still private offices. Now, do you have any young women coming into your area that you kind of mentor? And, you know, what kind of advice would you give a young dentist today? Now, let's kind of keep COVID-19 aside because that's affecting things differently. But given our circumstances before, I call it March 16th, because that's when everything for us started to shut down. But before March 16th, what was the environment like in Oklahoma for a young dentist setting up a practice? And if they set up a practice, would it be better for them to do it from scratch or buy an existing? You know, we have a lot of retiring dentists in the area. Mm -hmm. And so I would say probably right before COVID, it was probably buy an existing practice so that you would have the patient base and maybe not all the expenses with equipment and that sort of thing. And good cash flow. An associate, you know, first for a little while first too. I think probably the biggest advice to give someone starting out is make sure you have a mentor that you can ask questions to. It could be a staffing question. I've gotten text over staffing questions. I've gotten text over clinical questions. Just find somebody that you can totally pick up your phone and text them in the middle of the day and say, you know, I'm having trouble with this bleeding. What do you recommend? Or, you know, I just had a staff member go off on me. How, what do I do next? I mean, and so if you don't have somebody who can help you with those answers, you're going to struggle. You need to have somebody that you can ask those questions to and not, I mean, I don't look down on any of them for stopping and asking me those questions. I want to be there to help. I want them to be as successful as I have been. Sure. 
You know, it's interesting that I find that young dentists need that mentorship very early on and need it for a couple of years because they need, you know, I feel there's a, a gap in our educational model that we spend way too much time And I know it's necessary, I'm not discounting it at all, but too much time on the academic side and not as much time on preparing them for private practice. You know, especially we still make them do three hour appointments, fourth year, and that three hour appointment doesn't serve them well on helping them increase their speed or see more patients and have more experiences before they walk out. So I think that it, it truly is important to have a mentor and really good piece of advice. Have you ever had an aha moment that you realized you were doing exactly what you were meant to be doing? I think I've had a, you know, a few moments in the chair with a patient where you were able to maybe totally change their smile or maybe somebody who was edentulous and you were able to give them some teeth and you know, they end up in tears and you're in tears before it's all over. And you're just like, yes, this was my calling. This is where I'm supposed to be type thing. So I I think that over the 25 years, I mean, I think I've had a few of those times where just patients are so grateful and so touched. I did get to help with the bombing in 1995. That was here in Oklahoma City. And that was one of those experiences where everybody around couldn't do anything. Nobody knew how to help. And even as I, as a student, I was able to help and I thought this is what I've been trained to do. So even very early on, you know, I knew that I had had the background and had the training to do something different where, you know, a normal layperson wouldn't be able to go in and do that tooth identification. And that was a special skill set and knowledge that I had learned that I could do. So I think those are probably big aha moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. I share that experience with you. One of my patients died in 9-11 in the first plane crash and they called i remember getting the call to my office and asking for his radiographs and i remember just kind of falling apart you know i it was devastating to know that someone's husband father son you know i was i saw the whole family so uh, it was a really tough experience but nonetheless it taught me a lot about being prepared for an emergency and what to do in an emergency and get ready for things. So not that I didn't have records on top of my records, I wasn't on top of things, but the bottom line is this is why you need to be, right? So, you know, that if sometime you ever get the call, you are prepared. Have you had any obstacles in your life that are memorable that you have had to overcome? Anything in your professional life or personal life that might have been really traumatic, but you overcame them? Yeah, so um, my husband and I were married nine years and went through infertility before we ever were able to have kids. So our oldest, Karsten, who's now 20, he was after many years of infertility treatments, and he was actually surprised on a break. You know, we were, we were shocked. But then there's five years between them because then we were back on the infertility cycle and we did three in vitros and Clayton was our third in vitro attempt. And he had a twin that I lost early on. But so we went through the whole in vitro thing. So personally, that's been a very hard obstacle that we've gotten through. But now I have two wonderful, healthy boys. As far as professionally, I was 
had litigation against me that went to trial and it all started in 2007. So I had been practicing quite a few years. I started in 95. So I had been practicing 12 years before that happened, but it didn't go to trial until 2011, which was the wow. year president of the state of Oklahoma's dental association. So the timing of that was, oh, of all the years that this goes to trial is the year that I'm also doing the presidency thing. So I had to go through that that same year, ended up winning after a couple hours of a jury decision and actually got um, multiple new patients that were on the jury that started coming to me after the trial. So kind of funny how it all worked out, but it was a lot of stress. And of course, at that time, I had two small boys and having to go through a trial. And uh, I don't wish that on any of my colleagues. Not at all. Not at all. So tell us what you did to help balance bringing up your children when they were younger. Did you, your husband and you share responsibilities? You know, I know it's a little bit different now. I, my daughter and her husband, it's a new, newer generation and they, they co-parent beautifully. I mean, it's so wonderful to see, but it wasn't very common back, you know, nineties and not later. So when my oldest was born, he came to the office with me for the first 18 months and I hired students to nanny or watch him while I worked on patients. And that was wonderful. And then he got kicked out and had to go to um, home care because he was too busy around the office. My younger son, I had to have a C-section. I was on bed rest. There was a troubled pregnancy towards the end. So he actually spent a week in NICU. And then he came to the office for about five or six months with a heart monitor for a little while. And so, um, again, I hired a college student who was a nursing student to come over and watch him was how we did that. But then as they grew up, thankfully, you know, I was able to be around most evenings. I would get either a babysitter or my husband was available to keep them when they were small so that I could go to the dental meetings. That was kind of my one out was, you know, to go to our, our monthly or quarterly type meetings. And so I would find a sitter that would help do that. But I stayed very active being the mom, you know, of the classroom, mm -hmm. but, you know, the homeroom mom trying to do that, trying to be involved in their class parties as they got older and got into sports, tried to make sure I blocked off my schedule so that I could go to their sporting events. So I tried to stay very, very active in their lives by doing that. So, but my husband is around, he travels a lot now, but early years he was around and he was super helpful. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I don't know how some women do it. I do have a lot of students in dental school. In fact, I had a classmate who had five children by the time she graduated with me. I don't know how she did it, but it, you know. So when you reflect back, would you describe yourself as a confident woman when you were younger? As a young woman, were you confident in your abilities? And if so, what contributed to that? I would say my confidence didn't come at all until after orthodontics. Mm. You know, that whole fixing of the smile really changed me on a path. Through that point on, I'd say, you know, maybe freshman year of high school on, I got really involved in leadership and did the class president and all that kind of stuff. And so it kind of just changed. I started to be much more outgoing 
Whereas prior to orthodontics, just my self-esteem wasn't there at all. And so from that moment on, I think that just kind of changed. In undergrad, I, I stayed very involved in student council and things like that. And then even in dental school, I was real involved. We didn't have a large as a group at that time, but I was very involved in the Women's Dental Association. We had a chapter at our school then. So that got me on the path. And that's kind of always been my passion or my focus was leadership and serving on boards and committees. I like it. You know, I know a lot of people, they say that's not their thing, but, but I've always found that very interesting. You're absolutely right. I find doing the volunteer activities to be very rewarding personally, even though it's a lot of work. I find it very rewarding because it makes you feel better to contribute and at least help organizations get from one point to the next. And, you know, it all depends on us. The, the future of dentistry depends on what we do today. I have a saying that the choices you make today make tomorrow. So make a good choice today. You know, it, that's just been my motto for a long, long time. What's your favorite way to relieve stress? I know that you've accomplished a humongous task and I, I'm sure our listeners would love to, to hear about it. You have lost how much weight? I've lost about 35 pounds now. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's so, you know, everybody says, you know, after 50 or even your late 40s, 30s, I can't lose any weight, but you did it. And congratulations. Good Thank for you. you. So tell us a little bit about that journey, because that's a fascinating journey, I'm sure. Yeah, it all started last summer. I just started walking and I got a new pair of the AirPods, you know, that were so popular and I just started walking. So I started doing two and a half miles every morning before I went to the office. And then at night I would do another two and a half. And then as it got into winter and the weather got bad, we did have a treadmill. And so I just tried to keep up with that and continue that. Tried some different, you know, eating things too, but it was really the walking and I am not a runner. I don't claim to ever be a runner, but it was just the constant walking and it's kind of a, a real a release time. You know, I, I listen to music. I may read as I walk. It's just, it's my time. I get to see a lot of beautiful sunrises and a lot of beautiful sunsets. And so it's just walking the neighborhood and, and trying to get, you know, at least two and a half, maybe five miles every day in. Good for you. That's amazing. That's really very amazing and inspirational for sure, because so many of us think that, you know, it's hard to do, but just making one tweak in our habits can make the, a world of difference. And I love driving and walking and, and being outdoors and listening to books myself, because I find it's a great way to fit in something that I really don't have the time to do. You know, a lot of times I don't have the time to sit and read, but I love books. I always have. And I love learning new things. So it's a great way to do it. Good for you. Thank you. Is there any other things that you like to do? Outdoor activities, hiking, golfing, any of those things? I like to garden and I like to read by the pool. We have a pool in our backyard. And so in the summer months when it's hot, I like to climb in the pool and just have my book there and just stand and read. But I like to garden. I have flowers and I have a vegetable garden and I love to get my hands in the dirt and pull weeds even at night. You know, if I get home and it's nice outside, I'll just walk around the backyard and pull weeds and it's therapeutic. I have to agree with you 100%. I don't know how anybody can't be out in the yard and be like messing with the ground. 
I get out there and I start lugging rocks and I'm pulling up trees and I've just redone my whole yard in the last four years. So it's almost done. It's almost there, but not quite, but almost. But <laughs> we don't get to start our gardening. You and I were talking about that last week. I don't get to start my gardening until another month. I planted a couple of bulbs this past weekend, but you know, they're not going to show their faces for quite some time. So do you have any personal mantra or motto that you live by? I have one on my wall here in my office and it's a verse. It's from Esther 414. And it says, perhaps this is the moment for which you have been created. Ah, It's kind of just been, you know, uh, whether it's professional or whether it's um, a staff member or whether it's something along my journey in dentistry, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe this is why you're in this spot going through this adventure right now is because you were placed here. Yeah. I don't think there's any coincidences. I think everything in life is happening exactly as it is supposed to. There's no accidents as far as I'm concerned. You know, obviously we don't want accidents to happen to people. They happen. I don't know why, but that's, you know, for our maker to decide at some point down the road, right? Do you have a guilty pleasure or a secret dream that you'd like to share? I am a big beach, sun, pool person. And so anytime I can get to the beach or outside, that's kind of my getaway. So I would say, you know, we've, we've done a lot of traveling, but I'd say just still going to beaches is, is kind of our, on our to-do list. We love doing that. And you don't have any supposed to be in St. Kitts. Yeah. No, no beaches near us. We're supposed to be leaving for St. Kitts this weekend and it got canceled due to COVID. So I'm so sorry to hear that. Well, if you ever (laughs) want to come to Kenny Bunkport, Maine, you're more than welcome. We we're right down the street from the beach. (laughs) We got plenty of beaches up there. When you look back, is there anything in your life that created who you are that you can think of that, you know, made you the person that you are today? I don't know if there was any just one event. I mean, I think, you know, I had a lot of siblings. I had two brothers and two sisters growing up. So I think that shaped me a little bit. I think going away for college was something that shaped me quite a bit. So I was six hours away. I couldn't just run home. It got tough. I was far enough away that I had to, you know, tough it out at school. And then dental school. Wow. Dental school just changes you completely. I mean, it's a marathon and, you know, you you have to have very tough and thick skin to get through dental school and then going through things like going through the Oklahoma city bombing as a young, young adult and dental student that definitely shaped me and shaped the way I practice the infertility. So I think, I think it's just been an ongoing, I think I'm more sympathetic because I've been through some of those things, but I'm also maybe more organized because I've been through many of those things as well. And so just like you mentioned about the charting, you know, I mean, that was huge. I have always taken incredible records and notes because of, of going through that experience of having to make that phone call to ask for the chart to be read to you and having people say, I don't know what kind of filling was on that tooth. And I'm like, that's not going to help me. You know, (laughs) I need to know, was it resin? Was it amalgam? You know, did it cross all the way across? Tell me what surfaces it was. And sometimes they had no idea. And I'm like, okay, can you look at an x-ray and at least kind of give me an idea of what surface that was on? So it just helped me be very, very specific and detailed. I recently went to the 9-11 Memorial early this fall, 
And it was amazing to finally see it. I, I haven't been able to go all this time because I just felt too emotional to go see it. What was it like to see the Oklahoma Memorial once, once it was completed? You know, I've been out to the exterior memorial and it's just beautiful and it is a very quiet, peaceful time, especially, you know, going through everything. I have never been able to step foot inside the museum. I actually just had some classmates, we were all talking about that, about how it's been too hard to go back into the museum and to see the pictures and the things that we actually did see from those days. And we talked about it since we just had the, the 25th anniversary just this past week. Um, we talked about maybe we need to go together as classmates. It might, the time might be right now to go and maybe do it together so that we have each other for support. That's a great idea. I'm positive that it will be so much better if you did it together. Absolutely. Do you have like recurring memories of that at all? I mean, I don't, but you know, I don't know. Emotionally, it impacts us all so differently. Yeah. So I worked that very first night. I, we were in the middle of mock boards. Day the bombing happened and I was in the forensic dentistry elective class. And so I was immediately called down as a senior to that class and we were told that we would be going that evening to take the records over the phone. So as a person was listed as missing, we called the dentist and said, I need you to go to your office. We're gonna go through this chart. This person you know, reported as missing. And then we had police and highway patrol that went and got the records the following day, but we did it over the phone that first night. Well, also the next morning, because I was in that class, I was one of the first ones in the morgue and they brought in the children and they brought in the federal agents because it was a federal building. And so, I mean, I have vivid memories of, of a little girl that had a big crush skull and I could see her brain contents. And I mean, it was probably about a three-year-old little girl. And then I also had a male who was assigned to me that was decapitated. And I remember my instructor, he said, you know, we have to make sure there's no teeth, partial, anything that got imploded. And so I actually had to open the stomach to make sure that nothing had gone down in that could be a identifying feature. So it was really interesting. FBI was there. They saw him first and the medical saw him and then we saw him last. But I went back two other times in the morgue and it had changed smell was more intense. So I remember that. And then also the last time I was in there, it was more about running the pre versus post-mortem records. Mm -hmm. We were taking the post-mortem records and when you would see a body and so then the computer would actually try to match them. And so then you'd have to, you know, go and physically pull the pre and the post and try to make a match. And I came across a undergrad classmate's name at that time. And I knew she had been missing, but I, to that point, I hadn't seen her name in the medical examiner's office, but that particular day I did see her file and, and that sort of thing. So I remember those things just like it happened last week. Wow. I mean, I can close my eyes and totally, you know, see all of that. Oh, that's so hard. Thank you for doing what you did. I mean, seriously, I give Anyone that can be on a front line, just like our healthcare workers today, anyone that can be on the front line and, and be brave enough to do that, kudos, because not everybody can do that. And 
you seem to be, you know, very okay with it today. And I congratulate you because it's just an amazing feat for you. Good for you. And thank you for helping. Thank you. (laughs) Anything else you want to share with our listeners? I would just say, you know, if you're setting up a practice or whether you're finishing school, try to get involved. If you're going to a smaller town, try to get involved in your community. Mm-hmm. It's the high school and through sports advertising or get on maybe the like a Lions Club or some sort of Rotary or Chamber of Commerce in your town. Try to get involved in that. Because those connections, they may not make you have patients actually just come right in right that minute, but those are the relationships that will build your practice for the future. So true. So true. I think you have to be involved in your community in order for people to know who you are and trust you before they'll show up at your door. I totally agree with that. Well, it has been a pleasure to have you. on the show today. Thank you so much for your insight and your inspiration. We really do appreciate it. And I will see you at our next meeting. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.